Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. Our vision is to extend and establish the influence of the kingdom of God by equipping the saints for the work of ministry. We hope that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. I want you to turn once again, though the series is finished, God is not finished speaking to us through these wonderful verses from Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54, verses 1 through 3, reading from the New King James Version. And the title of my message this morning to us is Extending the Influence of God's Kingdom. Extending the Influence of God's Kingdom. If you've been here for any length of time, you know that this is our overall vision. Someone asks you, what is the vision of your house or your church that you are part of? You need to know it off by heart. It is to extend and establish God's influence in our city and beyond. And how do we do that? There's only one way. By being equipped and empowered to do the works of ministry wherever God has placed you. The way we do it is by empowering you, equipping you as the saint of God, and commissioning you where God has placed you to do the works of service or the works of ministry. By being a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ where God has planted you. That is your world. That is that part of the world that God has given to you to influence through your life and through your attitude, your behavior, your faith. We are to represent accurately the Lord Jesus Christ and His kingdom. If we do that, then those who are impacted, those that are around us will be influenced and impacted by the life of faith and the life of obedience you live where God placed you. It's not what we do on Sunday that makes a difference. It's what you do from Monday to Sunday where God has placed you. Amen? That's, that's where the difference is made. You come on Sunday to do what? To receive instruction, to receive wisdom and knowledge from God's Word, to understand what God is expecting of you and I, and to go out there where God placed us from Monday to Sunday and live that life that Jesus said. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you love one another as I have loved you. Amen? That's so simple, really. So we're going to look at it once again, and we're going to hear and receive what God is saying to us through these verses of Scripture. Sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stakes. 
for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Now, as you well know, we have camped on these verses of Scripture for quite a while now. But, you know, the more I meditate and the more I study these verses of Scripture, the more revelation and understanding I receive from these words. The words of the Lord Jesus in Mark 4, 25 are really true. You know God's words are true, but I've experienced it, and you should too, that these words are true. He said, the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the virtue and the knowledge that will come back to you. We cannot exhaust the wisdom or the revelation that comes from God's Word. The more we stay on it, the more we meditate in God's Word, the more we dig into it, the more virtue and knowledge and wisdom and guidance and whatever we need comes back to us. Amen? Now, these words that we've just read, I believe, are key to us bearing lots of fruit, becoming fruitful in the Lord, as they carry not only prophetic revelation, but also they carry wisdom from God in helping us reach our destination and fulfill our God-given purpose, which is to extend and establish God's influence in our city and beyond. You see, if I can help you or equip you to such an extent where you live the life of a disciple where you are, you will make such a difference in that sphere of your influence. People will look at you, and they will see the love of God in you. They will see the wisdom of God, the understanding of the Holy One by just studying your attitude and your behavior at the place where God has planted you. Amen? And sometimes you don't even have to say a word unless it's necessary. Just live the life of Christ. Amen? Be a disciple of the Lord. Pray for those who are around you. Change that atmosphere that you are there every single day through your faith and your prayer. God hears and answers prayers. Amen? Praise God. Now, let's move on. The words from Isaiah, if you notice, not only do they instruct us to what we are called to do, enlarge the place of our tent, but also they show us how to accomplish this. Notice the next few words. Just put them up again. From, I'm reading from the, from the New King James translation. Notice the next few words that Isaiah says. And let them... Verse 2, please. And let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Notice the words, let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. These two words, let them, have remained in my spirit for days. 
They just stood out. So I asked the question, who's them? Who is the them that are to stretch out the curtains of our dwellings? Well, I came up with this answer. I believe that them that the word is referring to are the sons and the daughters of the kingdom of God. Let them, the children of God, the sons of God, the daughters of God, let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. They must not spare. Now, this is a tremendous responsibility and a commission that is given to the sons of the kingdom. How many of you are sons of the kingdom? The extension and the establishment of the influence of God's kingdom is dependent upon the faith and the obedience of the disciples of the Lord Jesus. There's a reason for that. God has chosen to work through His church, and He will never change His mind about that. So often we see things in the world that are horrible, that are, you know, children destitute, poverty, and all sorts of, of ungodly things taking place, and then we ask the question, why doesn't God do something about this? If He's a God of love, why is He allowing this to go on? Have you asked that question? I know I have, and I'm sure many of you. And even many unbelievers are asking, you say that your God is a God of love, why doesn't He do something about this suffering? And you know what God is saying? I'm waiting on you. Why don't you do something about it? I've given you my name, I've given you my authority, I've given you my, my spirit, I've empowered you. Why don't you do something about it? Because I have chosen to work through you and I will never change my mind. If you don't do something about it, nothing will be done about it. Amen? God is waiting on us, we're not waiting on Him. And it's not enough to just pray about it. That's where you begin. This morning I was praying for someone who regularly sends me text messages about what he does in the ministry and, um, and, and, and how, how the Lord is directing him into some places that nobody else is willing to go. He drives for hundreds and hundreds of kilometers every week. And he sends, I'm one of his prayer partners, so he sends me text messages. And he says, please pray as I am going there and doing this and doing that. I need your prayer support. So I lift up my voice and in, because he's asked me to pray. And as I'm praying, because when you, get in, when you engage God in prayer on the behalf of someone else, the next thing that's going to happen is the Lord will lay on your heart to do something about it, not just pray about it. As I began to intercede and pray, the thought came to my mind, why don't you send him some money? How is he going to get there? He needs petrol. He needs diesel. Yes, Lord. I will do so. 
You see, when you engage God about your sphere of influence, you are giving God an opportunity to speak to you and give you wisdom how to bring the influence of his kingdom in that part of the world where he placed you. You see, you're not indifferent anymore. You care for the people that are around you. You care for the company you work. You care for the people that you are surrounded with every single day, so you engage God because you care. Now, if you don't care, you're not going to pray for them. I believe that when you start caring for people, the first place you will go to is to God in prayer for them. I mean, that is, that is the most natural way to respond. I recall when I was in Zimbabwe many years ago, and God began to lay this, this burden on my heart for my country fellow men, whom I was engaging every single day throughout the week. I was led to prayer. That was the only place where I could release this burden from my heart. And I began to lift up my voice for days, for weeks, and for months with fasting and with prayer, saying, God, you got to do something about this ignorance that is, that is permeating this community that I'm part of. As I began to engage God, and cry out to him on their behalf, God began to give me wisdom and direction how to bring the gospel to them. And the next thing that happened, my house was opened. And I was inviting everyone in the community to come, as I've announced, we're going to have a Bible study. You're interested to know what the Bible says? You're welcome to. And every Tuesday evening, my living room was filled with the people I was praying for. Now, that didn't just happen. God began to do something in their hearts as I began to call out to God on their behalf. This is why I say to you that when you allow the love of God and the care of God to permeate your mind and your heart, you're going to go to prayer to God about the people you're praying for. You see, but if all we have on our mind is me and myself and us for and no more, then God, what is he going to talk to you about? Amen? He's not going to talk to you about things that you're not praying for. I have discovered that when I go to prayer on behalf of someone else, God always speaks to me about that situation. He may give me a dream, He may give me a vision, or He may tell me to do something. Amen? That is why I say to you that the future of the kingdom of God is dependent upon the faith and the obedience of the sons and daughters of the kingdom. If you don't do something about it, God is not going to. Or he may find someone else. But the, the, the right person for the job is you. Because it's you that God planted there. Amen? But if you're there just for the paycheck, then your vision is limited. 
That is why God says, enlarge not only your heart, but your worldview. What do you see? When you look at these people, what do you see? Do you see their need? Do you see the desperate situation they are in without the knowledge of God? Do you really believe that there is a hell that people are going to go to simply because they do not know the love of God and have not believed in the Lord Jesus? Do you really believe that? Do I believe that? I was reading a book many years ago on the revival of England, and this, this um, murderer who was walking down the, the, the corridor as a dead man because he was going to be hanged, the minister was behind him reading a portion of Scripture as he was going, reading him his last rites. And the convicted murderer turned around and he said, Preacher, if I believe what you say you believe and read in this book, and England was covered, covered in broken glasses, I would crawl to find that one person and tell him about the hell that you're speaking about so that he cannot go there, so that he won't go there. Amen? There is a tremendous responsibility on the children of God to adequately and accurately represent Christ to the world we live in. Amen? Let me make some Holy Spirit-inspired statements here. The welfare of this city, and in fact, the welfare of this nation is determined by the obedience of the sons of the kingdom. Do you really believe that? Well, Scripture says in Proverbs 14.34, righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. And again, in Proverbs 29, verse 2 says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. Who are the righteous? The sons of the kingdom. But when the wicked bears rule, the people groan. We need to be praying for our leaders that God would give us righteous leaders that are determined to do the right thing, even though it is not popular or not beneficial to them. Amen? Jesus said in one of his parables, Matthew 13, 38, that the field is the world and the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. Now, let me say this, whatever good, whatever thing that is lovely in this world, it is a reflection of God the Father as He lives His life through His sons and daughters. Whatever you see that's good, whatever you see that is lovely in the world that we live in, it is a reflection of the goodness of God as He lives His life through His church, through His sons and daughters. And the sons of the kingdom, according to the Lord Jesus, are the ones who are commissioned by God to take His presence into every sphere of life and through their obedience to the gospel spread the very fragrance of Christ wherever they are. 
wherever they live, wherever they work, wherever they walk. Two Corinthians two fifteen tells us that. Two Corinthians chapter two verse fifteen says, "For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved." In the natural, if you put on aftershave or cologne, whatever it is, and you walk into a place, people pick it up, don't they? Amen? You, you, you can smell that fragrance. Do you know in the spirit we carry a smell as well? It's not a stench of sin. It is the smell and the fragrance of righteousness that we are in Christ Jesus. You cannot smell it in the natural because it's not a physical thing. Amen? I read in one of Smith Wigglesworth's books that often when he stepped into a platform or into a place, he was once in a train and he just sat down and the man next to him started weeping and crying, feeling convicted of his sins without him saying anything. We carry, you carry a fragrance. You've got to start believing that. People are convicted when they come around you. Again, Paul says, Philippians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Do all things. How many things? All things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Did he say that? You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And because you are the light then you, we, we need to awaken to the fact that we are the light and the salt and start acting like lights and salt. Amen? If you are the light, then he says, do everything without complaining and disputing and murmuring and grumbling. Wherever you are, start giving thanks and praise and begin to pray that you may become harmless and blameless Children of the kingdom of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation whom you shine as lights in the world. God has chosen, I say this, I'm saying it again, and he will never change his mind. He said, I'm not a man that I should repent or the son of man that I should change my mind. And what has God chosen? To do his work on earth and extend the influence of his kingdom through his sons and daughters, and he will never alter that fact. Jesus said, Matthew 6, we all know this verse of Scripture, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. And as sons and daughters of the king, pursue, this is the key word, 
pursue passionately the interests of the kingdom of God without a divided heart. The influence of his kingdom is extended and established among the nations. Amen? Notice what Isaiah says in the verses that we've read. Put them up again, please, Siobhan. It is the descendants of the woman who was desolate and barren who are to inherit the nations and inhabit the desolate places. What is a desolate place? When, when Scripture speaks of a place that is deserted and desolate, what does it mean? A desolate place is a place that is void of the presence of God. There's no presence of God there. There's no knowledge of the Word of God. It's complete darkness and ignorance. That place is desolate. Now, the woman Isaiah speaks of is the church of the Lord Jesus. You know that. We are the children of God, born of the Spirit of God through the womb of the church. And we are to inherit the nations. Jesus said, the meek will inherit the earth. Listen, this earth belongs to us, not to the wicked ones. And we're going to come back and we're going to rule and reign through Jesus Christ. Amen? If you've been faithful in this life, God will promote you when we come back to the earth and you will rule and govern your sphere of influence. Who knows? Maybe the mayor of future Cape Town is sitting amongst us today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Are you with me today? When our faith and commitment to the Lordship of Jesus begins to grow, what happens? When we mature in our faith and in our understanding of who we are and what we are called to do, we begin to govern and influence that sphere that God has placed us in. God's Word tells us that we are not of this world. How many of you really believe that? That you're not of, you are in the world, but you're not of this world. The Bible tells us that we are citizens of the kingdom of God. We've come from another world. Amen? But we have been sent into this world as ambassadors of Christ and His kingdom. You know what an ambassador does when he goes into a foreign country? He represents the interests of the country that sent him. He doesn't speak his words. He doesn't speak his own opinions. He may have one. But he said, this is the position of my government in relation to this matter. That's all he does. He is there. All of his upkeep and expenses are supplied by the kingdom who sent him. And they expect him to do a good job. If he doesn't do a good job, you know what happens to him? He gets recalled. This word recalled, it's been on the news quite often lately. Like it happened to our previous president. He wasn't doing his job properly. He wasn't functioning according to the values and the principles 
of the party that put him there. So what happened? They recalled him. Took a long time to do it. Wish they'd done it long ago. So the ambassador is there to represent the country who sent him, the interests of the country he serves. He doesn't speak his words. He doesn't communicate his own opinions. He only communicates that which is to the interests of the country that sent him there. So we are. We are ambassadors of Christ. And God had sent you to that part of the world where you are, where you live, where you work, where you function. And he says, you are my representative and ambassador to the people, to the company that I have placed you in. See that you represent me accurately. Because if you don't, guess who gets the blame? You say you're a Christian. Is that how a Christian behaves? Amen. Yesterday I was watching with my wife. She recorded for me a program on back chat. How they put four people to discuss how the church has become a business rather than a ministry that helps people. How pastors use the church to manipulate and enrich themselves rather than feeding the flock. And you know they have a right because some of the things they mentioned are absolutely true. But who gave them that right? Because some pastors are not acting and they are not living the way they should live. Feeding the congregation snakes. Feeding them grass. Spraying doom on them. What do you think the world, when, when they see such things, what do you think they're thinking? These guys are cuckoos. Hello. You are probably the only Bible the unbeliever will ever see or read. Two Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty. Now then, not in the world to come, now then. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are to represent Christ and his kingdom to the part of the world we live in. John the Apostle says, as he is, that is Christ, so are we in this world. When we come into the fullness of the maturity of Christ, then we represent accurately the one who commissioned us into that part of the world. And that is the greatest need of the church, that we are no longer children tossed to and fro, being deceived and deceiving others, but growing up in the knowledge of the Lord and in the faith of God, and so we adequately represent the one who sent us. That's all God is commissioning us to do. Grow up. Come on, wake up. That's who you are. Amen? Peter, speaking to the church once again, he says, listen to these words. 1 Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen generation. Put your name there in your Bible. I can't write in this digit, you know. Today we got this, but man, I miss the paper Bible. Well, I could scribble on it. 
Put your name there. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation, His own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Wow. This is who you are. You are part of that chosen generation. You are chosen. I'm chosen. You are part of that royal priesthood. What does the priest does? What is the function of the priest? He represents the people to God. And God has given you a congregation where you are. It's your congregation. You are my congregation, but you have yours as well. And you are to represent as a priest in that place those people to God. You are to talk to God about them. Lord, have mercy on them. Lord Jesus, please reveal yourself to them. Lord God, please send someone who, 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 who their hearts can be open to, to hear what your word is saying. You ought to know who they are. You ought to know their names. You ought to know how many children they have and to pray for each one of them. Why? Because you are part of that royal priesthood. Every believer is a minister of the gospel. Amen? And then he says, his own special people. Do you know that you are special? I'm special. You are special. God thinks you are very special. Amen? You're not worthless. You are special. Because you are God's own people. Amen? And these special people have been called by God out of darkness into His light so that we can proclaim the praises of Him who called us. So understanding who we really are and what we are called to do in this world empowers us to fulfill our God-given purpose. Remember, identity determines behavior. I believe that the revelation of our identity in Christ will equip and empower every one of us to live in the light of our purpose and calling. Paul the Apostle, writing to the church in Corinth, among other things, says this, Awake, 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. He says that if you and I are awakened to who we really are, that is the righteousness of God, we will stop sinning and doing what we're supposed to do. It's as simple as that. Amen? If you really believe you're a child of the king, you will live like a child of the king. Amen? He goes on to say that some do not have this knowledge of God, meaning they do not know who they are and what, and that to their shame. Scripture says that the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Wow, this whole creation is waiting for something, the, the, the Word of God says. 
eagerly waiting. What are they waiting for? This creation is subject to bondage. And they're waiting for something, groaning and mourning under the weight of sin. They're waiting for something. What are they waiting for? What is the creation waiting? The revelation of the sons of God. They're waiting for you and I. To do what? To redeem it. To redeem it. Notice it says the sons, not the children. A son is someone who is mature, who's grown in his faith, grown in the knowledge of God, knows and understands who he is and what he's called to do in the world that God gave him to govern. And I believe that the sons of the kingdom that you and I desperately need to come of age and come to an awakening of the true identity in Christ. Notice what Paul says in Proverbs 21 verse, 28 verse 1. This is huge. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. <laughs> Let me say this. When you really know who you are in Christ, that revelation sinks down into your heart. It makes you so bold like the lion. You know that lions are kings of the jungle. They are not afraid or intimidated by any other animal, and they are respected. When they show up, everybody flees. You know, it's interesting to notice that the lion is not the biggest or the strongest animal in the jungle. Have you noticed that? But he thinks he is. <laughs> the lion thinks he is. He has an attitude. What is it about the lion that makes him the king? It's his attitude. And it's your attitude of who you are that's going to make a difference where you live. Amen? When the revelation of who you are, really are in Christ, strikes your heart and your mind, and you really believe what the Scripture says you are, you become a different person. It affects your attitude, your behavior. That is exactly what the revelation of Christ does. It empowers us to be as bold as lions in the place where God placed us. Next to the experience and the joy of our being born again, there is no greater revelation than the revelation of your identity in Christ. Knowing who you are. You go to look at the mirror every morning and recite to yourself who you really are. I am born again. I have the life and the nature of God in my spirit because I am born of the Spirit of God. I'm a believer. Talk to yourself. I'm not a doubter. Because I believe, all things are possible to me. Amen? I'm a lover, not a hater. The love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. Because I have the love of God, I can love like He loves. I care like He cares. Hello? 
Amen. You got to repeat that to yourself over and over and over and over again until you believe it. When you believe it, you will act like it. Amen? Hallelujah. Am I boring you? Now, the struggle many believers face, and this is where most of us are, I dare say, is the dichotomy in our thinking and believing in our relation to our, our, our identity. You see, wrong thinking produces what? Wrong believing. And wrong believing produces what? Wrong behavior. Someone said, if you, if you really believe you're a dog, no one can stop you from barking like one. So many believers who born again, they still believe they are all sinners saved by grace. They are failures. They are unworthy. They're loaded with guilt and shame because of the past without realizing that when you're born again, you have become a new creation in Christ. Amen? Now, if you believe you are a failure your success will be terribly hampered by your belief. We've got to change that image on the inside of us that pulls us down, that feeds us with the lies of the evil one. God doesn't love you. You're all alone. You're a failure. You'll never amount to anything. Look how many times you failed. You're going to fail again. Your father was like that. Your grandfather was like that. Your mother was like that. And you follow in their footsteps. And if you do not know the truth about yourself, you swallow all that garbage. And that prevents us from living the life that represents Christ and His kingdom. We ought to study our identity. It is my conviction... that many within the house have not given the new birth the value or the importance we should have given it. We don't know what happened to us when we got born again. You know, this is the greatest miracle of all times. Both in this world and in the world to come, there is no greater miracle than your new birth. When you got born again, you became a brand new species of being that never existed before. You became a superwoman, a superman, with supernatural gifts and supernatural wisdom and supernatural anointing and equips you and enables you to do what God has called you to do. And we need to believe that. Listen to what Scripture says. A new creation... Colossians 3.10, and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Colossians 3.10. We ought to learn these verses of Scripture off by heart. New creations in Christ are ones who are created by God in the image and in the likeness of the one who created them. And God the Father did not create failures, sinners, racists, liars, or murderers. Hello? 
Now, some of these we were, the Bible says, but something happened. Something happened and changed us completely. We are new creations. Now, because of this ignorance and lack of understanding, many continue to live below their privileges in Christ and behave like the old creatures. Not only that, but I do believe that ministers are by and large to blame for this. Because when we speak to the church of God, many times it's like we're speaking to sinners rather than saints. Hello? That's who you are. You are accepted in the beloved. God has forgiven all of your sins. And he has accepted you and adopted you into his family. Amen? You are a new creation in Christ. And because you are in Christ and Christ is in you, all things are possible to you and I. We have all the equipment we need to do the job we call to do. Amen? And what we need to do is to train our way of thinking. That's what repentance is. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Meaning, change the way you think so that the kingdom can have part in you and through you. Amen? You've got to change the way you're thinking. This thinking that is not scriptural hinders us from walking in the principles and in the values and in the power of the kingdom. We've got to train our minds and our hearts to believe and to think accordingly. When we know the truth, Jesus said, the truth will set you free. Amen? Hallelujah. When we know deep down in our knower, I like to call this the knower, deep down in my heart. You know that you know. How do you know? I, well, I can't explain it, but I know. How do you know you're born again? Well, I, I cannot explain it to you, but I know. I know. How do I know? Well, before I got born again, I hated everybody, especially those who did me harm. And I studied how I was going to get my revenge, but when I got born again, all that hatred, all that unforgiveness is gone, and now I love them. How do I know? Because we love the brethren. The Word of God says that we pass from death unto life, that spiritual death, unto spiritual life because we love the brethren. Amen? That is a sure sign that you know you're born again because you love. Amen? So when we know deep down in our hearts that we are accepted in the Beloved, that we are loved and valued by God and appreciated by Christ, and empowered through the Holy Spirit, no circumstance can oppress you, defeat you, or distract you from fulfilling your purpose. You become unstoppable. That's what Scripture says. Amen? Now, these are the kind of people who are extending the kingdom. These are the type of people who stretch. Let them, let them stretch the curtains of your habitation because they know who they are. They are secure in their identity. They're not threatened. They're not insecure. They know that God loves them regardless of anybody else does or not. They are empowered by the Spirit and they know that. 
These are the ones that begin to influence their sphere of influence. You cannot remain the same. You begin to push and stretch. And that sphere of influence that God has given you, you begin to dominate it, you begin to govern it with the presence of God. And you fulfill the Great Commission, which was the original commission in the garden. Remember what the Lord commissioned Adam and Eve to do? He said what? Have dominion. Rule. Govern. Multiply and fill the earth with your seed. It's the same commission to the, new, to the church. You begin to influence your sphere. Are you influencing that sphere today? Do people know who you are? Or you're embarrassed to be a Christian? Hello. May the Lord help us to reach that place where we really begin to live the life of Christ to the world that he gave us. So the mission, my mission, the mission, I believe, of every minister of the gospel, whoever he is, is to equip and empower the saints and communicate to them the revelation of their identity in Christ. Is to feed you with this type of knowledge, telling you who you are, what you can do. Amen? So that you can make a difference. Hallelujah. Let's just pray, please. Can you stand with me for a few moments? I recall that as I began to grow in my faith many years ago in Zimbabwe, deep down within my spirit, my heart was raving like an engine of an airplane ready to take off and begin to dominate and influence that part of the world that God gave to me. God so loved those Greeks in Masvingo that he gave me to them. And I carried them within my heart and I loved them dearly. Most of them have gone, they're not alive anymore. And I still do, those that are still there. And I considered myself so privileged to be able just to share the love of God with them. Let me ask you a question. How many people in the last year you shared your faith with, your faith in Christ, or you talked to them about the goodness of God, about your faith in Christ. Something to consider. 
Now, I was instructed by the Holy Spirit during the week. If you are one of those whose, whose heart has been stirred up, not just this morning, but you are ready to make a difference in your sphere of influence, to lay hands on you, and to commission you as such, so that you represent the goodness of God in your sphere of influence. So if you are that kind of a person who's been ready because you've been praying, because you've been concerned about your sphere of influence, maybe it's your own family, that peace and love needs to come into that family unit because that's where we begin from. We begin with our family. Husbands and wives, wives and husbands, parents and children, children, children towards parents. There is harmony, there is love, there is unity. There is a genuine concern for the principles of the kingdom. And then from your family, you spread out. And that's why Michael next week is going to pick up where I left off and begin to teach systematically how do you influence your sphere of influence. By taking these scriptures that we read in Colossians, do everything without murmuring and complaining as children of light, behavior, attitude, and begin to dominate your sphere of influence. Now, if you are ready, don't start out there. Start with your family. Amen? Is everything right in your family? Your relationships right in the family? If not, start from there. If you're a husband, study the scriptures on what a husband ought to do and how he ought to live toward his wife. If you are a wife, then study the scriptures of what the Bible says about wives. And stay there until you master that part of your life. Amen? And go from there. So as we, as Michael leads us in a song, we're going to close the service, but I want to just pray for those whom I have mentioned. Not for any other reason, not for any other purpose today, but for that which I have mentioned. I believe there is a grace that is, will be imparted to you if you are in your, right in your relationship with God to receive that additional grace to make a difference in your sphere of influence. Thank you, Michael. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time this morning and for the Word of God. We thank you for giving us an understanding of who we are and what you have done for us through Christ and who you made us to be. And I pray, my Heavenly Father, today, those who are struggling under the weight of sin, under the weight of guilt, under the weight of shame, that they be released from that bondage, 
for you have set us free in Christ Jesus. I pray that you would strengthen them with knowledge in the inward man so they may rise up and begin to walk and live as who they really are in Christ. I take authority over those, those evil thoughts that hinder and hamper the growth the maturity of our people and in the name of Jesus I take authority over these thoughts I cast them down from the minds of our fellowship and I pray that the thoughts of God permeate the way of thinking help us Lord to train our way of thinking and believing to come in line with who you say we are and what you say we can do in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your precious word and for the revelation of the gospel. Hallelujah. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.